0: Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Permack. On today's show, Silicon Valley gets its own stock exchange and what big tech doesn't have to fear from Joe Biden. But first, Trump goes it alone, again. Yesterday, more than a dozen countries endorsed a call to action that'll address how terrorist and other extremist content is spread via tech platforms. It's called the Christ Church Agreement, and also was supported by tech giants, Amazon, Facebook, Microsoft, Twitter, and Google. Twitter's Jack Dorsey even traveled to Paris for the official announcement. But notably absent was the United States, which didn't sign on. The White House didn't really give a reason, but on the exact same day, unveiled a new website that asks Americans to report instances of possible political bias by social media platforms. Now this is a pretty low-tech offering hosted on the old TypePad blogging platform, asking for screenshots and links, plus a lot of personal information. It also lets respondents opt in for email newsletters from President Trump, prompting questions about if the effort is more about politics than about policy. Why it matters is that the spread of extremist content online is a very serious problem as we're reminded almost any time there's a terrorist attack but the law and order trump administration is whistling past these very real graveyards in order to focus on narrow political grievances that have been regularly disproven yes american tech companies have signed on but getting them to take meaningful action and to make sure they stick to their promises is the job of a currently absentee government it is in short a missed opportunity in 15 seconds we'll go deeper with axios media reporter sarah fisher but first this Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique smart brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined now by Axios media reporter, Sarah Fisher. So Sarah, let's start with this Christchurch call. What exactly did the resolution say?
1: So the resolution, says that a bunch of countries, everyone from New Zealand to countries in Europe, even some Southeast Asian countries, are going to dedicate meaningful resources to try to figure out how they can better tackle extremism online. So whether that's research or more meetings about promising regulation. But of course, the United States is not going to be taking part in it.
0: I understand the Trump administration, kind of Republicans in general, their issues with perceived political bias on whether it be Facebook or YouTube, etc. But that seems to be a separate issue from what the Christchurch call was, which was about terrorism and other extremist content. So explain to me, couldn't they have done both, endorse the call and launched their website?
1: Absolutely, they could have done both. But that's the thing. This administration likes to take things on unilaterally. We saw this with the Paris Climate Change Agreement. We saw this last week with the U.N. Plastics Pact. The United States is not going to lose much by committing to one of these efforts. But it's more of an optics thing. If they stand apart, they could say, we're going to tackle this our own way.
0: Do we have any sense if there was any significant discussion inside the White House on this, or if this was just kind of always fait accompli that, that they were never going to sign on?
1: Or not they thought they were never going to sign on, but I do have one source at the White House that was saying that this is an issue that they care really deeply about. They do want to be a part of the conversation, they just kind of want to manage it in their own way, and so that's why when you saw later in the day when they rolled out their own tool for a slightly different issue but still around content on platforms, they embraced it, they spread it widely. That's the route that they want to go, that they're going to handle this on their own, not as a part of some sort of multilateral effort. Talk
0: to me a little bit about the platform that they launched. So the perception of it is that it is asking you basically for things that are potential examples of uh, political bias. Is it also saying, hey, if you see terrorist content, put it here or let us know?
1: No, it's not. It's not tackling that issue whatsoever, which is why a lot of people thought it was an untimely way to launch this sort of tool. The other thing about this tool is that it asks some questions that seem very unrelated Related, quite frankly, to tackling the issue of political bias. It asks, are you a United States citizen? If you say that you're not, the form just ends. You can't proceed further. It asks if you want to be signed up for Donald Trump's sort of fundraising emails. And so a lot of critics are saying that even though this tool perhaps could be used to elicit responses about bias on platforms it kind of feels like a fundraising tool
0: i hate to say it this way it's pretty low tech right i mean this thing's being hosted on typepad which was a wonderful you know blogging tool 15 years ago
1: yeah i mean some people on twitter were quick to point out that it was pretty easy to game the tool so the captcha question that determines whether or not you're a bot asked what year was the declaration of independence signed and people could see that if you just wrote any like you know four numbered year it would go through they eventually fix that but still it's sort of a testament to the fact that They're working to understand technology and platforms, but the White House itself is not necessarily an expert in
0: technology and platforms. No, in part because, to be honest, its science and technology office has been relatively empty for most of the administration. You wrote this morning about this, and one of the things you noted was that kind of this attitude about social networks, and President Trump's been talking a bunch, particularly about Twitter, even though he relies on Twitter and kind of complained about losing followers recently during a meeting with Jack Dorsey that was supposed to be about the opioid crisis. But you say that this is a reverse Reversal of kind of outlook towards social media companies for Trump. What do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, well, when Axios first launched, Dan, you remember about two and a half years ago, Axios' Jim Van and Mike Allen interviewed Donald Trump and they asked, look, are you worried about Facebook and Google and Twitter's dominance, these mega social platforms? Are you going to do anything about it? And his sentiment was rather jolly. He was saying, no, their dominance is fine with me. You know, if the market wants to do something about it, fine, but I'm not going to touch it because these platforms platforms are good for me. They help me reach my supporters in an unfiltered way, unlike the fake news media, which, you know, will censor me. And so his attitude seemed to be that these platforms are great for me. They don't censor me. They empower me to reach people. Now the attitude seems to be the exact opposite, which is that these platforms censor conservatives. These platforms are trying to silence people of my political perspective. And that was just not his tune two and a half years ago.
0: It's also belied by the fact that he still uses as his primary communication tool. Final question for you. You know, you talked about earlier, you referenced the Paris Climate Agreement. And and with that, you had a lot of countries basically say, and even companies, okay, fine, we're going to go it alone, which was fine, except it doesn't really work without the U.S. when it comes to carbon emissions. In this case, though, now that you have lots of countries signed on, lots of big American companies, the big social media platforms also signed on, can the Christchurch call get to its goal just without the U.S.? Can it still work without our sign-on?
1: It will be a lot harder. Look, these are mostly American companies that we're talking about when we're thinking about the spread of extremism online.
0: But if they've agreed to it, if the companies themselves have agreed without federal regulation?
1: Yeah, you need an enforcement mechanism. You need a country and its government to say, look, we agree with this effort and we're going to be watching you. Because how many times have we seen platforms say, yes, we're going to make changes. Yes, we're going to change who we are. But they don't actually do it. That's why it's so critical to have a government sign on and say, hey, we're a part of this effort too. We endorse this because it brings a sense of oversight to this effort that's much needed if you want to actually enact change.
0: this is Sarah Fisher. Thank you so much for joining us. My final two right after this. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the ProRata Podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is something called the Long Term Stock Exchange, which last week received federal regulatory approval to become the country's 14th National Stock Exchange. Why it matters is that in the future, this could become the way that tech startups choose to go public, either in place of or in concert with listing on the NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange. It's the brainchild of Eric Ries, author of The Lean Startup, and basically is designed to let company founders get the best of public markets, like access to capital and a broader shareholder base, without many of the drawbacks, like activist investors who quietly buy up small positions and then agitate for change. So, two big tenants of the LTSC. First, it would enable so-called tenure voting, whereby shareholders have more voting power the longer they've owned the stock. At the outset, that would keep founders and early investors in control without indefinite dual-class stock structures. But in the end, any long-term shareholder would have stronger voting rights. Second, it would let companies actually know who holds their shares, rather than having to find out about it months later in an SEC filing. No word yet on a formal launch date for the LTSC, but it's expected for later this year. And finally, Axios's Lexi McCammond reports this morning on how Joe Biden is basically trying to end the Democratic primary race before it even gets started, with several other campaigns actively concerned about his massive lead in most national and state polls. In short, Biden's running like he's already in the general election, which means, among other things, not really diving too deeply into potentially divisive policy issues like the Green New Deal or breaking up big tech companies. Biden hasn't quite dismissed either one of them, instead saying things like how we need to look at the issues more closely. Now, yeah, it is Biden's job to be looking at the issues more closely, you know, as a presidential candidate. But for now, it's working for him as a steady media dodge. And for big tech companies afraid of Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and the like, and maybe a bit nostalgic for the Obama administration, this has got to be very comforting. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producer, Tim Shovers, if you're listening via an Apple device, please be sure to leave us a review. Have a great National Sea Monkey Day. And we'll be back Monday with another Pro Rata Podcast.